The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Kind of doing, and I realize I'm doing a bit more. I'm actually hmm. doing a Mark Hamill's Joker laugh. A little bit. I think, yeah. I, I think yeah, I'm a little, a little bit more bit. influenced by his Joker laugh than I am by the Crypt Keepers laugh. But anyway, uh, <laughs> welcome back to Cancel Too Soon. This is the podcast where we review TV shows that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I am a critic. And Whitney is not well, you, talking for some reason. Well, you, usually you say that everybody calls you Bibbs. I was waiting for you to say that part. I, 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 the one time I mix yeah. it up, I get, take, right. I, get, I get shit for it. My name everybody is Wh- calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a film critic. And everybody calls me Bibbs. Thank you. You're quite welcome. And, uh, yeah, it's Scary Tober here at Cancel Too Soon. We try to put a lot of emphasis on failed horror television series of bygone eras. Uh, and uh, this week on Cancel Too Soon, which actually might be the same week, as the as the last one because Whitney is going out of town and we're so, pre-recording these and we might try to squeeze them together. So d- double them up. Give give you give you what you've been waiting for. Yeah. Yeah. People people like Scary Tober, um, or so I'm told. Uh, <laughs> but if not, please let us know. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're talking about a a failed television series. It was a pilot episode for a series very 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 very. Very loosely based <laughs> on the Oscar-winning horror film *The Omen*. This is 1995's *The Omen*. Very loosely based. Well, the, *The Omen*. Well, *The Omen* started its life as a novel. Yes, uh, it, it was. It was one of those hit uh, pot boilers, um, and I think the novel came out in. What was just like the, the early seventies? It was contemporary to the movie, which came out mm. in seventy six, and um, uh, the movie was a big hit. Uh, it's considered a horror classic. It doesn't have quite the same class as something like The Exorcist, but it's often mentioned next to The Exorcist because they both deal with uh, sort of demonic themes. I am seeing no mention of a novel here. Yeah, in the history of the Omen, mm, there, there's a novel. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm not seeing it. There's only one credited writer, and it's only for the screenplay. Okay, well, it, no mention of it on the Wikipedia page. Th- there were there were uh, five uh, Omen books. Okay, uh, there was. I don't trust you when you say that. Now, yeah, there's. Uh, I'm sure there was a novelization. Maybe so. There was also a, a fifth uh, Omen story. Because there were four four feature films um, in, in sort of like the original continuity. There was The Omen, there was Damien, colon, The Omen 2. Yeah. There was uh, The Final Conflict, which was later re-released as Omen 3, The Final Conflict. And uh, then years later, like in the, the early 90s, they came out with Omen 4, The Awakening. Yeah, and then, uh, the, then they finally did a remake 
in two thousand six. Um, but in the novels, there was a, a fourth. The fourth novel was called Armageddon two thousand, where it was going to be you know about the Armageddon in the year two thousand, and then there was an Omen five, the Abomination. Wow. So the premise of the Omen, the original series, is that uh, Gregory Peck in the movie, uh, he uh, he's I think he's like what is he a dignitary or like a he's a, 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 um, a diplomat of some kind? Yeah, he's he's yeah. A, a, an international uh, yeah. ambassador, big big muckety muck, and uh, he he has a son, and what he doesn't realize is that his son has been replaced with the Antichrist, and. Uh, it mostly focuses on a lot of the Antichrist stuff, but at the beginning yeah. of the movie, um, it, it's Gregory. They're played by Gregory Peck and Lee Remick, and yeah. you can tell that they they're older. They haven't had a child, so it's kind of important to them that they fill out their family unit. And so when they finally do have a child, and it turns out to be possibly the Antichrist, that it's sort of like inter. It's not just about you know this sort of supernatural thriller it interrupts their family dynamic well it's also then can they accept the possibility that their child hmm. the thing that the, the 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 entity on this planet that they love more than anything else in the world that they would give their lives for hmm. is pure concentrated evil and hmm. could they do what is necessary to save the world yeah, from the, what they think is their own offspring and and this young child who you know it's, it's a young child doesn't have anything to say but people continue to die around this child anybody mm-hmm. who threatens damien in, dies mysteriously in in increasingly suspicious hmm. and elaborate ways um and the child in the omen is very little kid hmm. And that's something that's very subversive. That's something this evil would happen around a very small child. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, this is uh, uh, shortly after the Exorcist came out. This is basically considered a big Exorcist knockoff, but it was popular in its own right, and it made a ton of money. It won an Academy Award for its original score, struck great, by Richard great Donner. Music, yeah. Richard, this shot Richard Donner yeah. from making a lot of well-respected television to making blockbuster movies, and this led to him directing Superman. And it was a big, 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 big film. Um, the sequels are a weird mixed bag. The first sequel is fine. It's just Damien's older now and he's starting to become more well, aware he, of his role he, as the Antichrist. He figures out that he is, yeah. in fact, the Antichrist and he doesn't like that. And I think that's an interesting drama. I actually like Damien the Omen 2 quite a bit. I think it's not as good as the original, but it's solid. It's a perfectly good... It makes sense. It's a logical sequel. Um, I haven't seen... The Final Conflict, uh, think, we get to see Damien as an adult. I don't know if I've never seen it or if I haven't seen it since I was a kid. I know I've seen part of it. I can't remember if I watched the whole thing as a kid and it's just my memory is vague. Mm. But Damien is now a politician played by Sam Neill. Mm. Uh, which, and, and he's going to bring about the end of the world through like yeah. political means. And Sam Neill was not a big star yet. This is actually mm. one of his breakout roles. Uh, and he so. does battle with Jesus. Oh. Okay, like, no, I don't like, remember this movie. Like it's it's not like a boxing match or anything. I wish but it was. Can you imagine? Like some guy who, who looks like the paintings of Jesus Christ just puts on the boxing <laughs> gloves and starts going at it. No, um, but yeah, he he's like sort of doing magical combat with the, the goodness of Christ, and he gets to shout things like "Come at me, Nazarene." <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty absurd, that third yeah. movie. And the fourth one is even stupider. Well, this one was actually a TV movie, and it's mm. about a little girl. Like the, it, it's Satan kind of whiffed it with Damien, yeah. so, so he's got to try to have again. a new kid real fast, yeah. and so he has a little girl. And uh, but here the idea is that she may have like absorbed the Antichrist in the womb into her own womb, like her own oh, infant it's so womb. Fucking it's, weird. It, it's gross. like I've described it as a Satan turducken before. It's oh, like. God. A, it's, it's a horrible way to put that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But yeah, that that's that's what was going on. There was like and it turns out like 
the fetus gave birth to another fetus while it's in the so, womb. It's really so the repugnant. mother is going to have another baby, and that's the end. It's a really repugnant, like the concept and how far they develop it. Hmm. It does not work at all. I've actually never seen the at all uh, the remake with uh, Julia Stiles, and hmm. I think Peter Sarsgaard plays the dad in that one. Uh, that, that sounds right. I have yeah. seen it. I don't remember it. Well, that speaks very highly of it, doesn't it? Hmm. Um, well, I, I have a terrible memory, but well, yeah, fair it, enough. Um, you, you actually have a better memory than you think. But um, it was, was Liev Schreiber. It was it was Liev Schreiber, the other Peter Sarsgaard. Um, <laughs> Omen Four: The Awakening was in 1991, and obviously it didn't lead to a big rejuvenation of the franchise. And uh, uh, they decided to do a television series. It, it, the, can, although the plot of the TV series The Omen has almost nothing to do with the omen uh they were considered directly connected uh they were they were like part of an attempt to expand upon the mythology mm. of the show uh of the uh, sorry which, of the original which doesn't make any sense because yeah. this tv pilot has as much to do with the omen as Friday the 13th, the series has to do with the Jason Voorhees movie series. <laughs> yeah, there, you can tell that like somewhere down the middle there, there was like something to do with something, but it the, didn't end up working. This is not so much The Omen as yeah. it is The Exorcist. Uh, yeah, that's actually, a lot more in common more, more accurately, it's more like the movie Fallen, yeah. which is about a, a demonic angel, a fallen yeah. angel, who can possess people just by touching them mm -hmm. and can pass from person to person via touch. So like, and, anybody could be the monster at any given moment. Yeah. Fallen kicks ass. Uh, yeah, Fallen's a very good movie. The Omen 1995, bit more of a mixed bag, uh, but just to, to cement the connection in case you're wondering, Richard Donner was an executive producer of this. He was asked to be, but I think he dropped out. Well, regardless, he was connected to it for a while. The idea was that it was supposed to be connected, but it really wasn't. This was directed by Jack Shoulder, uh, who has also done a great movie about a body-hopping monster called The Hidden. Mm. The Hidden stars Kyle MacLachlan, I think is it Michael Norrie in The Hidden? Yes, yes, it is. Oh, it's Michael Norrie. He plays. So the idea is, uh, there is an alien that is on Earth that can jump from body to body, and it's just it's, it's on like a, this little bug thing that can yeah. crawl into people's bodies. And it's like right? on this weird, wild joyride where we'll jump into someone's body and then commit horrible crimes and steal fast cars mm -hmm. and whatever like that. And it's just on a spree, and nothing can stop it uh, except for Michael Norrie, who's a tough cop, and his new partner Kyle MacLachlan, who is from who is an alien from space, possessed by a cop alien. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the hidden rules it's a pretty fun movie the hidden kicks ass the hidden's a very good film uh jack shoulder has directed he, he also did a nightmare on elm street part two mm -hmm. which is also about uh that movie uh mm -hmm. they kind of changed freddy a little bit and that he's trying to use the protagonist's body yeah to sort of infiltrate the real world again yeah. so he's done a lot of possession movies mm -hmm. and, I've, and for the record a nightmare on elm street 2 freddy's revenge actually a very very good film okay. uh at least that's my opinion uh, there's a lot of really interesting stuff in it. I think it's uh, kind of clumsy because the mythology doesn't make sense even under its own terms. But I, that, it's not that, that they changed the original so much as they didn't think out what they wanted this new thing to be. I, I'm fine with that, though. And actually, what I really like about Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, is that it's the only film in the Nightmare on Elm Street series where... Freddy invades someone's mind in order to take advantage of their fears and their dreams. And the fears aren't superficial shit like, I'm afraid of boiler rooms and knives. Or, oh, I'm afraid I, I, of... I hate bugs, so now, yeah. I'm, getting, now I'm being turned into a cockroach. Yeah, those are, very, those are fine, but those are very superficial things. He invades the mind of a young man who is clearly wrestling with his sexual identity. Mm. And is dealing with a lot of sexual confusion and shame. And Freddy exploits just that one guy. 
in a lot of insidious ways. And as a result, to me, that movie is, in some respects, the scariest of the series because he's really getting in his head. It's about one one person's anxiety. Yeah. It's not and, about a bunch of kids. And I actually really like that movie a lot for that reason and a variety of others, but I understand why some people have trouble there, with it. There's a really wonderful documentary film about it called Scream Queen mm-hmm. uh, on, uh, on Shudder. Yeah, which is all about the film's uh, incredible, uh, downright overpowering gay subtext. Yeah, yeah. In that uh, movie, yeah. And, and the actor himself was gay and was uh, wrestling with that at the time mm-hmm. and... Uh, he got typecasted by the yeah. movie and he it hurt his career. It hurt, it hurt his career. He eventually sort of came around to it, but you know, ended up like overall kind of resenting the movie. It wasn't yeah. until like decades later when he was like at cons and stuff that he realized it ultimately had a positive impact on his life, but mm-hmm. it took a long time. And he had a lot of resentments towards mm-hmm. uh, Jack Shoulder, who he felt kind of manipulated him into and, uh, yeah. uh, making a movie that wasn't quite what he signed on for. Yeah, it wasn't Jay, how he wanted yeah. his image to be presented. And, and, and in, in that documentary, he gets to talk to Jack Shoulder, yeah. and uh, it, it does not go well. No. Uh, so, so Jack, yeah, like Jack Shoulder didn't. I lost really some respect hear for Jack what Shoulder he was that saying. day. Yeah, yeah so, he's made some good movies, and I like those movies, but I lost some respect for Jack Shoulder that day. But, but in any case, Jack yeah. Shoulder uh, uh, directed The Omen 1995, and the premise of The Omen 1995 is uh, actually pretty good cast. Uh, we've got... Well, uh, well, first uh, of all, there's William Sadler. Yeah, uh, who, wonderful I, character. And, and I William love Sadler. William Sadler. Um, yeah, this he, is around the time he, he was, was doing like, Demon Knight, another demonic possession type movie. <laughs> Yeah, William Sadler was the Demon Knight in the movie Demon Knight. Uh, he uh, was in the Shawshank Redemption. He was in the movie Freaked. Uh, you'd mm-hmm. recognize him. He has a wonderful, smarmy smile. A lot of kids uh, my age, if you know him, might know him as, um, I think he was the um, the really intelligent uh, custodian from the movie Disturbing Behavior. That's right. Yeah, like not that. a great movie, but he managed to make a, the most out of his role. Mm. Um, so he plays an epidemiologist. Uh, you know, studying viruses and things. Uh, and uh, he teams up with a photojournalist played by Brett Cullen, who is probably best known now for playing Batman's dad in Joker. He played uh, yeah, uh, Thomas, Thomas Wayne. Thomas Wayne. Uh, but, you know, another guy with a very, very long career. Uh, he's an investigative journalist, and they are both investigating uh, the events surrounding a a disused military missile silo mm-hmm. in somewhere America. And, uh, and uh, it's been locked for many, many years. But as the guy who is responsible for just for keeping the fencing up mm-hmm. uh, has noted, it's been locked from the inside for like many, many years. And uh, or it's locked from the outside for many, many years. But something keeps hitting the door, <laughs> which is admittedly kind of creepy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, good, good haunted house stuff. William Sadler goes to investigate and he finds hanging over like, you know, this big giant hole where they would put like a missile in and it would fire. Hanging over this hole is a corpse uh-huh. <laughs> hung by its neck that is still alive and moving. Which is also pretty fucked up, and and it's and it's been like disfigured in yeah. some way, like like disease has racked its body, yeah. so it's like really kind of weird looking as well. And uh, that's when it screams, and like this weird, terrible 1995 TV CGI stuff comes out of its mouth. It, it's uh, it's like the water tentacle in the abyss, but it's like yeah, not rip- as good. Ripply moving yeah. effect. It it doesn't look great. Doesn't look great. It, it is what it is. Uh, William Sadler. This, this amuses me. Dodges it. <laughs> He like ducks aside. And it ends up hitting the guy who was repairing the fence. And that guy just 
it steals William Sadler's car and just drives off mm-hmm. into the ether. You know, exa- uh, because we've seen the X-Files, we know exactly what's happening immediately. Yeah. A, a Dude's de- been possessed demonic by a thing yeah. came out of the corpse and now is, has possessed this guy and it's going to go out and wreak, wreak yeah. havoc. Uh, and he, the, uh, the, the demon ends up in, it's um, Boston, right? It's in Boston yeah. and it's in um, it, the it's, sister of one of the main characters. Well, it ends up there. Uh, yeah. the, uh, uh, no, 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 they're, they're not related. No, they're he, sisters. He, he, no. Chelsea Field and, and the possessed woman in the bed? They're sisters. Oh, sorry, they, they are. Sorry, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, I thought you were saying... Oh, so, the... Uh, it's this There's, weird, like, a lot of dialogue you, you to skip, that effect. You skipped ahead a minute. Oh, I thought yeah. you were talking about a different character. Oh, second. Yeah. I was confused. So, like, the guy gets in a car. The guy just hits a random woman in a car. Mm. And then uh, he, like, stops, goes back over to the random woman... Off screen, I guess, knocks out an EMT and puts on his outfit, gets in a car with the other EMT who hasn't noticed that his partner who's in the car, who's in the truck with them this whole time is a different guy now. And uh, you're uh, busy. You can't notice things like that. Yeah. And they take and the uh, he ends up in the backseat with the woman. He like infects her with the demon thing. She ends up in a hospital. Uh, it turns out the head nurse at the hospital, uh, played by Chelsea Field, an actor who I really, really like a lot. Yeah, she was in uh, Masters of the Universe and yes. Death Spa. Yeah, yeah, fun actor. <laughs> like her a lot. Uh, yeah, she, she she ended up uh, working with and then marrying Scott Bakula. No, no shit. Didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Okay, that's fun. Um, anyway, she ends up uh, you know trying to save her sister's life. She doesn't, and the demon infects her now, and now she's trapped in a hospital and... Uh, uh, William Sadler and um, oh, Blackjack Savage is in this, right? It's uh, <laughs> it's Stephen Williams, Stephen Stephen Williams, the great Wa- Stephen Williams, long working, long working actor Stephen yeah. Williams, who we know best from the One Hundred Lives of Blackjack Savage, one of the most fucked up TV shows ever created. I, uh, they're both trying to figure out the medical marvel that is demonic possession. Meanwhile, Brett Cullen is investigating for his newspaper, mm. and he has, after his, and his wife and child died under mysterious circumstances, he has been trying to investigate the supernatural to figure out what ha- really happened. And yeah. so this is his opportunity to do so. And everyone's, all the main characters are converging on one spot. And there's one it's, more we uh, haven't mentioned, uh, a man named Aaron, played by the great Norman Lloyd. Uh, yeah. Norman Lloyd, who uh, was like the the killer in uh, uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Saboteur. Uh, he was in movies from like, I think the 1930s and 40s up until pretty much when he died. And he died this year. <laughs> he was 106 He was 106 years, years, old. years old. He collaborated with Alfred Hitchcock many times. Mm-hmm. In fact, here's something that is a total coincidence. Uh, the last episode of Cancel Too Soon, we reviewed a film that was produced by Alfred Hitchcock's production company called Dark Intruder. In Dark Intruder, there was a psychic named Malachi who had a really creepy voice. Do you know who provided the creepy voice of Malachi? Was it really Norman Lloyd? It was Norman oh Lloyd. We managed to do two failed pilots, <laughs> 30 fucking years, exactly 30 years apart, both of which co-starred Norman Lloyd. Mm. Weird. Uh, Norman Lloyd did eventually stop acting, but wouldn't it be great if there was a pilot from this year that he oh, made it made it age 106? That would be astounding. He would be uh, it would be the coolest thing ever. But yeah, Norman Lloyd had a longer. He produced the, shit. He was uh, his last movie was actually a very successful film. He was he was in Trainwreck that oh, Amy Schumer rom right. that did very very well. Mm. Um, so good for him. What an well, incredible what, what career. A, what a wonderful long career that. Yeah, man and he had. was in that movie when he was about a hundred. <laughs> 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 it's really quite astounding. 
Um, so he plays a guy who has been his whole life hunting demons because demons killed his family. Well, so what we have here is um, the demonologist man of action, the demon knight, mm-hmm. at, played by the demon knight. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have well, well, initially played by Norman Lloyd, but it will be replaced. Mm. Norman Lloyd is looking for someone to replace him. Norman Lloyd will yeah. not be a regular cast member. He dies in this episode trying to save the world, mm-hmm. and he tells Brett Cullen... And William Sadler, and then they end up getting Chelsea uh, Field, Chelsea, to, Field, Chelsea yeah. Field to tag along with them. That they are the new demon hunters. We need someone to protect the world from this supernatural monster. Well, and I was just trying to get to sort of what the ultimate premise was going to be. We yes. have like this, this team of people who are going to mm-hmm. go out and hunt demons. Yes, presumably different demons, but we'll get to that. I um, think the idea is that this demon, it's kind of like Supernatural where they hunt new demons every week, but for like the first five seasons, there was always one demon. Like one well, there's one demon that killed their mom. Right. And it was, uh, I think it was called the yellow-eyed demon because every time he possessed someone, they had yellow eyes. And so that demon kept coming back, but they it's like the one-armed man in the fugitive. They never quite got him uh, until like towards the end of that initial five-season arc. Dude, spoilers. On, Shut on up. The fugitive. Gonna, <laughs> Um, but, uh, that's actually not what happens in the fugitive. He actually does get him. Uh, but, uh, in any case, yeah. So I think, I feel like there would be different monsters, but this is the one that we'll keep coming back to. Mm. Um, but yeah, the main plot of this episode though, is once everyone's converged on the hospital and all of these scientists are trying to figure out how demonic possession is biologically possible, which is an interesting idea. Mm. How would that work biologically? Because it's affecting your body. Uh, but also it turns out the demon isn't there by accident. The demon is there because the hospital is also being used for secret government research into highly infectious diseases, which you really shouldn't be doing at a workaday hospital with like a with like a you know an emergency room and shit. People just wandering around all willy nilly because security is lax here. And it turns out that they're they're they're, they're investigating, which was a very hot button disease in the '90s, a flesh eating virus. Mm. This is something that every tabloid was talking about how the flesh eating virus is coming for. It's a real thing, but this is like some supercharged flesh eating virus that could like devour the flesh of an entire army in a day. And the demon wants to steal it and then release it in the middle of a St. Patrick's Day parade. Cool. You know, like the Omen. You're a demon. You can possess people, and you still need to like steal viruses from hospitals. It's it's pretty. Anyway, um, the Chelsea Field sister is possessed. When uh, Chelsea Field goes in to treat her, she dies on the operating table. Yeah, and then it goes into Chelsea Field, who falls down. Uh, comatose, but who can occasionally lurch up and say things yeah. in a demon voice. They talk about how uh, different people are affected by demonic possession differently. Uh, it tends H- to... Handy if you, if you don't want to write yeah. any rules. It, well, no, I think, I think there are rules here. And it's basically mm. like, if you're an evil person and you welcome the possession, mm. the demon is just like, it's like venom. It's like, yay, we can be in you forever. Yeah. Uh, however, if you're trying to fight it, uh, it can burn out faster and it usually just kills you. You know, like Venom. Uh, so, this fucking movie's Venom. What are we going to do? Um, but uh, so Chelsea Field is trying to fight it and she's able to burst out of it. There's a really sad bit where she's like in like the basement and she stopped herself momentarily from stealing this horrible virus and mm-hmm. she's confronted by Brett Cullen who's like trying to help her. And there's something really, really sad. She says, like, all I ever, listen, I'm a nurse. All I ever wanted to do was help people. Please tell people I didn't want to do this. Because she knows this will be her legacy, yeah, is the person right. who doomed the world or whatever. And she doesn't want that to be her. She's fighting this. She's trying not to do it. And I think Chelsea Field really sells it quite well, like this inherent tragedy to what she's going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like, actually, I will say this. I think the whole cast is quite good in this. 
I think everyone's doing their job, selling us to the best of their abilities. It's a pilot. There's a lot of exposition. I was going to say that yeah. the, the weak link is actually uh, the Brett Cullen character. I yeah. Think he, He's just kind of generic. He, well, and he has a tragic backstory, but it is a generically tragic backstory. Mm-hmm. He's lost his family. He's investigating. Mm-hmm. He, he only has one friend, and his friend is played by Julie Carmen. Uh, I don't from, know Julie Carmen. Uh, well, she, you might have seen her in In the Mouth of Madness. But she's oh, yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's had an incredibly long career as well. That's how I know. That is, a, that is totally weird. She only shows up in one scene. Uh, but yeah, she's like, mm-hmm. she was in, you know, Gloria and the Malagro mm-hmm. Beanfield War. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, she was, she was, she was uh, Jerry Dandridge's sister in Fright Night 2. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so yeah. she she's been uh, you know done a lot of genre films and a lot of other films besides. Yeah, uh, yeah, and here she is in one scene playing uh, the the person who gets to say, "Look, I'm your one friend, and I'm going to give you some exposition before you exit the yeah. screen." It feels like the kind of character they might put on the show in order to have them come back later, but after the pilot, they're going to realize they don't need her. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, so I, I doubt we'd be seeing much more of her. She might bring her in a few more times, and then I realize we don't need an editor to put him on assignments. Um, but yeah, so, uh, I mean, the plot's kind of straightforward. I will say this, it zips along. It's not a boring TV movie slash pilot episode. I think it's something that Jack Shoulder's always been very, very good at is keeping a lot of incident on screen. He's a good genre filmmaker. He knows how to keep things going. I I don't think this was necessarily uh, a need to continue connecting things to the omen and keep the mm. omen relevant throughout i think this was clearly a reaction to the x-files oh one million um, percent they probably like oh what do we have the rights to we have the omen mm. we can turn that well, into yeah, the next files kind of thing people yeah. who investigate omen stuff and it's all just demonic that that'll be here's, our angle here's on what it. you do if you want to turn the omen into an x-files show here's what you do mm. you go the full hellstrom route oh, the protagonist is damien and he's trying not to be a bad guy and he's actually yeah. trying to, like, listen, I know I'm supposed to doom the world, but maybe well, if right. I save the world enough, I can balance out the ledger and I can prevent that from happening. That, that's uh, the, the Brimstone route, not the Hellstrom route. Well, that's kind of Hellstrom. Wasn't Hellstrom, yeah. wasn't he, like, Satan's son or whatever? He, he was, he was, to... Yeah, Satan's son and Satan's daughter were, like, fighting yeah. their mom who was yeah. possessed by a thing. And uh, there's a lot of kind of convoluted shit in, that, yeah. in Hellstrom. But, uh, yeah. Hellstrom, Brim, Brimstone was the good version of this, by the way. Brimstone yeah. was a, Brimstone. We we did Brimstone and Cancel Too Soon quite a few years ago now, uh, but it's a really really great show. It starred John Glover as Satan, and there's a prison break in hell, and a whole mm. bunch of demons have escaped onto Earth, and he brings a, a, a condemned, a doomed, a damned uh, police detective yeah, who, uh, who, out of out of hell to wrangle up all of these escaped demons. And it's a really good show. That's a really and John Glover shows up like at the yeah. end of every episode saying, "Yes, I'm still Satan." Yeah, and he's, he's very, so very great. good. Yeah, like uh, not a, yeah, not a lot is... of duds in that one. Just a really solid episodic supernatural X Files yeah. kind of kind of series. The, the problem with trying to turn the Omen into a TV series is you have to change the premise. The Omen is about discovering who the Antichrist is. Mm-hmm. Unless you're going to make it about Damien, yeah, you you. You can't have sort of like the the one revelation that we already know. Of course, I say that, and they already did a TV series of Psycho. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't see any of that uh, Nurse Ratched TV. So like the no, prequel the one that. flew over the cuckoo's nest. No, I, well the they're trying that, to stretch out these kind of very basic premises that we already know the premise of here's into the, something longer. Well, if the, if you're concerned about the act of revelation, hmm. then yes, this would be uh, uh, an exercise in. Uh, um, What's the word? And, and I, futility? Futility, thank yeah. I don't know why I blanked on that. Then this would be an exercise in futility because, yeah, we already know it. They would already advertise it, etc. But it's all a matter of this, you come up with the premise for a story 
And we tend to think there's only one way to do that if it's been done. That's not true. There's a million ways. You could do. How do you do a story about the Antichrist? Mm. Okay, well, you could do The Omen, where it's a story about parents who find out that their child is the Antichrist and they're trying to figure out how to deal with that. Mm. You could do a story like the 1990s uh, show American Gothic, where it's about a bunch of adults sort of vying for the moral center of this child in order to help them grow up and to become either evil or good. Mm. You could do a sitcom where all of our kid is the Antichrist. And, oh, Damien, did you kill the babysitter again? <laughs> you know, like, you do, like a really dark sitcom. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a great idea, but like there's a million different ways you could oh. do it. You can totally do, you could do a thing where, uh, you could do it like Dracula the series, where Damien is grown up, and he's like the head of a corporation or something, and a whole bunch of people don't know that they're working for the Antichrist, and you can make it like profit. Yeah. Like, there's a million different things you could do, you make choices that seem good at the time, mm. sometimes they're good ideas, sometimes they're not, and this one feels like, man, we had this script or this idea for a body-hopping demon show. And we decided to call it the Omen. It really, you could have connected it somewhere. Yeah, I, like maybe this demon, his ultimate goal is to create the Antichrist. And that's like the cliffhanger at the end of season one. Where you find out that he's actually been looking for the perfect host yeah. in order to sire the Antichrist. You could have done that. But, right, to yeah. start, but, not to, but to start somewhere else, if you watch a show called The Omen. And The Omen is still a very famous movie franchise. And it has nothing to do with The Omen. You're going to say to yourself... Well, that's a disappointment, even if the show itself is, in a vacuum, kind of fun. Mm. This is not a bad program. Well, I actually had fun again, watching it. I'm, I'm gonna make but, the like, parallel, it's not the omen. I'm going to make the parallel to Friday the 13th, the series again. Yeah. They had the name, but they they just couldn't come up with a premise. Yeah, They didn't want to do the silly sitcom. That would have been great, by the way. I like your idea. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but, <laughs> but it's difficult to extend that, especially in the 90s when they weren't doing... Like gigantic arc television in yeah. the way they're doing today. Yeah, maybe like a big TV miniseries they would have done, mm. but they wouldn't have. Wouldn't yeah. have. The thing is, just it. But well, so what I'm guessing is, yeah. they they made a sh they started with the name The Omen, but they yeah. said we're not going to do that. We're going to come up with something else that is demonic, and mm -hmm. uh, and we're going to put together like a team of investigators. And mm -hmm. I like Friday the Thirteenth the series just fine, and That's I don't resent it at all for differing from the Friday the Thirteenth movies. No, it's fine. Would you want to? Have wanted to have seen a Jason Voorhees TV series where it's just like a different mini slasher movie every week. Maybe that would have worked, maybe not. I, am, I imagine it being like kind of like Twin Peaks where it's just everyone trying to live in this town where Jason Voorhees is in the woods yeah. and everyone's just like, yeah, Jason Voorhees kills a lot of people. Uh, I put a, a fully cooked steak out in my backyard every night mm. and he has not bothered me. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's it like to live in that town? Mm. Like, that would be interesting, you know? What's it like to get those tourists, you know? <laughs> oh, oh, good, there's raccoons in our trash. Kill them and leave them as bait for Jason. He right? just eats the raccoons. There's, there's a lot you could do. It's a weird situation to live in a town with that legacy where where there's actually an active serial killer in the mm. woods somewhere. No right. one knows where he is. Maybe they do that there's a story today. They wouldn't I would have do done, a soap opera version. They wouldn't have done it, that yeah. in the mid-90s when the, no. the series came out. Almost but, certainly not. But, no. you know, the series is about cursed objects and antiques, and it's kind of anthology structured, yeah. and there's investigators. Nothing to do with Jason Voorhees. And I like that show. And it's I a feel good show. like uh, differing from the Omen the movie is no big crime. Uh, when you're gonna, if you're just gonna take the name and have this brand new premise with all these mm -hmm. new characters, fine, fine. I'm Here, not gonna get miffed. Here's here's where, and again, I think mm -hmm. that we actually recently had a, a letter on our podcast. Uh, We've got mail mm -hmm. where they asked how important is a title, and I think a title can be important because it sets expectation. Not necessarily, but it can. 
Uh, in the case of Friday the 13th, the series, I think it's a little different because Friday the 13th is a general mm. scary concept. It's like calling it the witching hour okay. or something where it's like, okay, that can kind of be about anything, mm. you know? Uh, Tales from the Crypt. As long as they're scary tales in a monstrous way, you can kind of be about anything, right? It doesn't really matter. Um, and they also differentiate it by calling it Friday the 13th, the series. Hmm. As to, to clarify, this is not the movies. This is the series. Different thing. Okay. Kind of weird, but okay. The Omen, the series, this failed 1995 pilot. Here's where it bugs me the most. It's not that it doesn't directly connect to the movies. Because again, there's... Definitely a way to get back there. Mm. Supernatural stuff. There's no reason for the Antichrist not to exist in this universe. You can totally get there. Here's why it pisses me off. At no point in this movie is there an omen. <laughs> an omen is mm. a symbol or a vision or some other indication of something ominous ahead. It's a bad sign. It's like in the beginning of Apollo 13... When Kathleen Quinlan, uh, Tom Hanks' wife is played by Kathleen Quinlan, he's going off into space. And then, like, as he's going off into space, she drops her wedding ring down the shower drain. Mm -hmm. That's an omen. That's a bad sign. That's mm -hmm. Things are not going to go well today. Well, and, and even she is, like, a, a little bit weirded out that it's number 13. You know, the yeah. The unlucky number. Yeah, it was like, the th yeah, there was a lot of, like, there's a lot of bad omens there. And those are all true, you know, but... Yeah, it's weird, right? So when something bad happens, they're like, oh, today's going to suck. Like, we know what that is. That's not what The Omen is about. The Omen is doesn't really have omens. <laughs> the Omens is just about, like... Mm -hmm. Again, I love the idea of confronting demonology from a, <clears throat> from a medical standpoint. That's exciting, actually. What is it like to be physically taken over by a demon, and what does that do to you biologically? Interesting. I like that. That's cool. It's not an omen. It's nothing to do with an omen. Could you at the very least put an omen in your movie? Could it start with an omen? Could Norman Lloyd talk about omens okay, a little bit? Could we just put an omen in here so the title makes some sense? Did Friday the 13th, the series, always take place on Friday the 13th? No, but again, my point is Friday the 13th <laughs> is a general concept. Friday the 13th, the movies didn't either. Friday the 13th is just so, a scary oh idea. So yeah, nobody is more specific. Would you have uh, would you have objected if it was simply called ominous? No, that's a great idea. Okay, that's a great title. No, Call not, that. Not, not just the not the omen, not referring to yeah. a specific uh, omen, but it is ominous. Yeah, ominous would, is a great title. Been, okay, I think they should make a sequel ominous to *Malignant* called *Ominous*. Like it's a yeah. good title for a horror thing. Mm. Call it that. Uh, but yeah, the omen itself just is a little misleading, and I don't think it serves the the pilot very well. I think this pilot had been called anything else, mm. probably would have had a better chance because this is. Listen, we've watched a lot of sci-fi, horror, fantasy TV shows from the 90s. Yeah. And we've still barely scratched the surface. But we've watched a lot <laughs> of failed ones, of popular ones. Uh, and this is nowhere near the worst. Oh, no. This, this, this is, is actually pretty competent. It's, it's, it's pretty not efficient. a bad pilot, I actually. I think the only issue is its resemblance to the X-Files. You could yeah. put Mulder and Scully in this exact story yeah. without batting an eye. This would actually be a very good X-Files mm. episode, and I would think it would and, be and a well-remembered one. Scully would be bringing up what, yeah. what is the 
bi- what's happening biologically to somebody who is exactly. possessed. And then, and then Mulder the would say, Cullen, no, no, it's definitely a demon. I yeah. saw the, the snake yeah. floating and through Brett the air. Brett Cullen like, runs down into the basement and he has that conversation that Brett Cullen does. And yeah. Norman Lloyd can still be in it. Why not? Like, so you can it, totally do this. It's not necessarily that it doesn't connect to the omen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pilot doesn't do anything wrong. It's just that it's more of the same. It's too yeah. derivative of what, what was already out there. We already had the better version of it. Mm-hmm. It's clearly chasing trends. Yeah. And that might be the thing that hurt it. On the other hand, again, as we discussed, The Omen was chasing a trend in the originally in the first place. Mm. The movie was, again, basically trying to capitalize off of the success of The Exorcist, which is the biggest horror movie of all time. And if you adjust for inflation and you don't count Jurassic Park, which I think you should, uh, it's still the biggest horror movie of all time. Mm. Uh, so The Omen managed to find its own identity while being derivative. A lot of successful shows start off mm. as derivative and find their own uh, way. Uh Friends, when it first came out, was written off by a lot of people as a pretty good Seinfeld ripoff. Oh, here's a was, bunch of um, here's a bunch of attractive people in New York hanging out and which, dating. Uh, which came first, Friends or Coupling? Because that I, I don't remember. Because I, I know there was a British TV series that was very very similar to Friends, but I don't remember which came first. I don't recall, and I cannot say. Mm-hmm. I, I could look it up, I suppose. But uh, but Friends definitely came after Seinfeld, and I remember reading reviews in like TV Guide and the LA Times. They're basically just like, it's pretty good, but it just feels like a Seinfeld ripoff. It'll probably won't last more than one season. It lasted ten. But it, yeah. it found its own voice, or something like uh, Speed. Mm. Speed was considered part of the wave of Die Hard knockoffs. And I've mentioned this, and some people have rejected it. It's like, Speed has nothing to do with Die Hard. Sure it is. It's Die Hard on a bus. <laughs> it, is a, it is a confined space action movie where a hero has to solve a lot of life or death problems at the mercy of some brilliant criminal who has thought out everything. That's Die Hard. It's also sudden death. It's also <laughs> like all these other. Di- what think? What are some other Die Hard knockoffs? There's uh, uh, that one with Thomas Ian Cracker Jack starring Thomas oh, Ian Griffith, <laughs> which no one has talked about <laughs> in twenty years. I but, haven't even thought about the movie. Yeah, in years. there was that one that was on a ski resort with Bruce Campbell and I think Sean Astin. Aspen Extreme. At, was that Aspen Extreme? Or maybe it was it Extreme Ops? I don't know. One of those. One of, <laughs> one of those damn. There, something was extreme and it was mm. bad. But my point is this. Speed found its own identity because it managed to take the influence of okay, we're gonna speed on it's tired on a bus. That's the pitch. We'll make it. But the movie was distinct enough, and they found their own voice that it became kind of its own thing and is no longer generally considered to be a knockoff, even though it was originally. Hmm. Um, being a knockoff is not the worst thing in the world to be, so long as once you use that to get made and sort of capitalize and find a bit of an audience, you're also good. Hmm. I don't mind that things are derivative, as long as they're good. You know, the X-Files was an updated version of Kolchak. It was said at the time. Yeah, yeah. It's a good update of Kolchak. Mm. I'm not going to complain too much about it. Well, so, it's different yeah. than... It's it's one thing to uh, take the spirit of something and spin it off and create something kind of new. Um, uh-huh. Like we talked to Joe Dante once about uh, Piranha. Yeah. And, and they had recently made a sequel to Piranha, Piranha 3D. And it, was a re- was, it was a remake. Piranha 3D was sequel-ish. And, uh, if you wanted to call it a sequel, you well, could, but I think Piranha, it was supposed Piranha to stand 2, The third one was called Piranha 3D. I'm counting it as a sequel. Uh, just All right, of, I'll let of, it, because of the three. I'll, I'll let it go, mm. fine. But they, it was basically rebooting mm. the series, basically. Uh, and I think we asked him, you know, how do you feel about somebody like remaking your work? He's like, I don't care if somebody rips off me. We were ripping off Jaws. Yeah, very open about mm. it. He knew exactly what he was doing, but they, they put their own vibe in it. It doesn't yeah, exactly. feel like Jaws. Mm. Watch, that, watch that first Piranha. First Piranha is a compulsively entertaining movie. Like the, you cannot put it down. It's so much fun. The Omen 
feels like the X-Files. It does. It doesn't feel like its own entity. It's no. not striking new territory. It's not no. doing anything new. Which is frustrating because I feel like it has the DNA of something new, which is, again, mm. a medical show about yeah. the supernatural. I feel like that's something that wasn't really done. Mm. And it could have focused on that and been something kind of interesting. Like, what if there's only one doctor who can see the signs that all of these mysterious ailments that are popping up are supernatural in origin? Mm. That's an omen. Cool. <laughs> Done. You've got and, a show. Now, now you have an omen as And it well. stars William Sadler and Brett Cullen is a local investigative reporter who is also investigating all of these mysterious ailments. Mm. And Chelsea Field is the nurse who works at the hospital. Boom. You got a fucking show. It's cleaner. It's more direct. It's X-Files-ish without being the X-Files. And you can call it the omen. Why the fuck not? And you can build eventually to having the Antichrist in it. And mm. the Antichrist is born at this hospital or something. Mm. Fine. That could be the end of the pilot episode. Is that there's at, they're at this hospital the whole fucking time. And there's a woman who's going into labor. And then it turns out that, like, but why did all of this happen today? What Surely all of these things can't possibly be a coincidence. And the lady leaves with her child. And the child has, like, red eyes or oh, something. Sure. Really <laughs> Boom. Good mm. idea for a pilot. Here, not a great pilot. Very derivative pilot. But an entertaining pilot. Mm. And I'll say this right now. we got to ask the question, was it canceled too soon? I'm torn. Because although it's derivative, I had fun. Mm. I think I would like to see at least half a season of this before I made a decision of whether this could find yeah. its own voice. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't there... have to do a full season commitment, but I'll give you half and we'll see how it goes. I'll, I'll say it was canceled too soon. Uh, yeah. Because it did show some promise. And I liked, yeah. I liked this idea. I like the characters. I like um, the idea of... This kind of intense tone of you know supernatural investigations, but more in a demonic bent than the X Files, which is a little more science fictiony. Uh, fine, fine. There's there's promise here, uh, yeah. and yeah, but yeah, like you, I would not want to see if this is the kind of show where they're going to go after the same demon every week. Yeah, or if it's going to be more like a monster of the week thing. I think if it's the latter, it would be a stronger show. I agree, one hundred percent. I think you bring back this demon overall. He's like the mastermind of some evil thing going on, and then yeah, you can yeah. end the season with some big giant two-parter or whatever that this demon mm -hmm. is part of fine but uh and that that was a, a a storytelling technique that was becoming popular in the late 90s buffy the vampire slayer helped popularize it you can do an episodic thing with a narrative through line in a couple of episodes throughout the season mm -hmm. uh so yeah i agree i think it was canceled too soon but i'm not in love with it and i'm not going to do a full season commitment yet but you have a little bit more time to flesh this thing out and may help it find its own identity in part just because I want to see a horror series starring William Sadler. <laughs> it's William fucking Sadler. I love William Sadler. Very, very fun actor. Mm. Always gives 110%. Totally deserves it. And um, if you haven't seen Tales in the Crypt Demon Knight, which stars him as a heroic demon hunter uh, fighting off Billy Zane at his Billy Zaniest, uh, that's a great movie. It's really wonderful. It's a we, really, we, really good film. We did film. A, a commentary for it one, once upon a time. Ago. But just a wonderful <coughs> film. Um, <coughs> Excuse me. So um, so check it out if you haven't already. Um, mm. And, uh, of course, check out Brimstone if you can find it. Uh, but that is it for uh, critic that Critically Acclaimed. That is it for Cancel Too Soon. That is it for Cancel Too Soon. Uh, we'll be back next time with... And you know how, like, we spent, like, the last, like, hour, like, 45 minutes or so talking about, like, this fail TV series based on The Omen. Well, it's time to put that aside and do a fail TV series based on The Omen. Uh, this we're gonna, time, really based on The Omen. We're going to talk about Damien, a failed uh, TV series based on The Omen from uh, the last 10 years or so. I forgot it was to tw you. 2015. 2015. I think it was on Lifetime. All right, all right. Um... 
2014, it was on Lifetime. Yeah. And yeah, then it moved to A&E. Yeah. It was like moving around a lot. So it, it was, was kind, of, kind of doomed from the try, start. Try, trying to find an audience and it, it never quite did. But it was a 10 episode series based on The Omen. Uh, if you want to follow along, you can watch it on Hulu right now. Uh, and uh, we will be talking about that next time on Scarytober here at Cancel Too Soon. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Yes. We think you're great. And we're incredibly grateful to have you here. A very special shout out to all of our patrons. Oh, indeed. We have to talk about you every single episode of every single show we do because we would not be here without you. The lights would not be on in this, I call it a studio, it's my living room. The lights would not be on here were it not for you. You're keeping these shows running. You're keeping, Mm. you know, you're making it possible to do this. So we're incredibly grateful to you. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. If you want to join in and become a patron of Critically Acclaimed, Cancel Too Soon, and all other shows, you can go to patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. We have a lot of exclusive shows for you over there uh, to thank you for being a patron. You get to vote for future episodes of our shows. Uh, We have uh, podcasts, exclusive Patreon podcasts uh, about Batman, about every single episode of Star Trek, about every single film ever nominated for Best Picture. Uh, With Whitney going out of town, that episode might be delayed more than we'd like. Apologize uh, for that. We're doing I, I our am, best. I am leaving town. I'm going out of uh, going yeah. on a vacation. But we're you know we, we have some things for you. While Whitney we, deserves his vacation. Well, while I'm away. No, Whitney deserves vacation a million percent, and we apologize that it's delayed one of our podcasts. It also means that like this week or so, we have fewer podcasts uh, in general going up on the feed. But that will be fixed next week. Mm. Uh, so, uh, but uh, but in any case, we have a lot of Patreon exclusive stuff. We have a, a, a Twitter account. We're at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. If you want to talk about anything we discussed on this show or anything else you'd like us to talk about, questions, concerns, critiques, uh, curiosities, whatever you've got, email us. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. And uh, we also have a snail mail address for people who like to send us uh, snail mail or uh, we've actually, some people have been nice and sent us things. We got like a nice shirt from the yeah, Salem yeah. Horror Fest. That was really nice. Uh, yeah, we got yeah. Some, some nice gifts as well. And yeah. that's incredibly kind. Uh, yeah. if, and other things as well. Books yeah, and things. If, if you would like to write us a letter, uh, write us in at uh, the Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565. Los Angeles, California, 90064. Yes, greatly appreciated. Thank you to everybody who's listening. We think you're the best. We hope you have a wonderful week, a safe, sane, but scary Halloween. Mm. And uh, that is a wrap. We'll see you next season. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.